Greetings, brothers and sisters in Christ, and welcome to another episode of the Innocence Redeemed Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Bergman, and the title of today's show is The Sin of Complaint. Now, the official definition of complaining is the expressing of feelings such as pain, dissatisfaction, or resentment. And, you know, it can also be defined as bringing a formal accusation or a formal charge against someone. You could also say it's to express contempt or disdain in a myriad of situations. And by the way, this episode could be considered part of the humbling series, because to not complain is to humbly serve the Lord. You know, we have to remember that the Lord desires a contrite heart. And for those who aren't familiar with the word contrite, it means feeling or showing remorse for a sin or a shortcoming. Now, I mention this because it's important that we understand this fully so that we understand when we complain, unbeknownst to many, we're actually in sin against the Lord. You know, it's displeasing to him. Now, before we move forward, I just want to say that there is not one person listening to this who has not complained at one time or another. And if you say you haven't, well, then you're lying to yourself and you're lying before God. Because complaining, I mean, it's, let's just face it, it's an inherent human nature, you know, that we, we tend to do it sometimes without even realizing we're doing it. So the purpose of this podcast today will be to convict us to check ourselves before the Lord checks us. And I don't want to discourage you, but if you have a habit of complaining, if you realize you're doing it, ask the Lord to help you catch yourself doing it, because the more you refrain from doing it, the better. And it's a good habit to get into catching that going forward. Now, the reason this needs to be talked about is because if you stop and think about it, complaining is the opposite of faith. You know, you're essentially whining that you don't have something or think that you won't have something. Or maybe a situation is not what or how you would like it to be. Or separately, perhaps someone did something. Whether they did or not, we need to work on not complaining. It's distrust. It's a form of unbelief. Why? Because you're not believing God to take care of your needs or that he's doing his job in one way or another. You know, when we complain, we are complaining against God. You're essentially accusing him of sleeping on the job and thinking your ways are somehow better than his or that you know better than he does. And if you stop and think about it, that's borderlining pride and pretty much is pride. It's essentially the absence of your faith. Like I was just saying, you're more worried about the problem at hand than trusting his ability to come through for you. You know, as many of you know, if you've been following me for a while, if you've been paying attention to what's been going on around you, we're going to be facing many strenuous situations coming up. And this subject of complaining is going to matter going forward for the simple reason that if you don't know how to wait on the Lord, you may end up making foolish decisions. Or worse, taking something into your own hands that would jeopardize any blessings the Lord may have in store for you, even if you can't see it ahead of time. You know, he may want you to be moving one direction, but because you're whining and pouting, because the situation is not what you want versus what he knows you need, you're then being tempted to take it into your own hands, and then you're not hearing him clearly in the spirit because you're in sin by that complaining. 
And let me just tell you, in the time that's here, that could jeopardize your life. Or even worse, the life of your loved ones. And so it's a very serious matter. To quote Psalm 27:14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now that said, let's look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 12. Starting on verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. That's what I was just saying. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions. You know, give thanks. And with the first fruits of all your increase. That's the tithing. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, the following verses are key when it comes to being in a habit of complaining. And this is still in Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 11, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son, in whom he delights. So look at this podcast like this. If you've been in the habit of you know, complaining about things, he's correcting you. He wants to teach you, okay, you know, I want you to understand that this isn't the way forward. This is what I want you to learn going forward. You know, that's part of the correcting. Um, some of you might be undergoing trials or some of you may be even in a wilderness. Take that opportunity to learn what he's teaching you. That's what the whole humbling series has been about, as I've stated many times now. Humble yourself under his mighty hand and learn from the Lord what he may be showing you. Ponder and pray on it. Don't complain when things aren't going the way you think they should. Remember, the Lord knows best. For Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9 read, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. He is always going to know what is best for us. And now some of you might recall that in an episode I did recently titled, What Do You Believe? I spoke to declaring certain situations and how what we declare, if it's in the negative or speaking death to a situation, can tie up your blessings. Because if you declare something enough times, and it's a wrong way of thinking, that's what you start to believe. The same holds true for the word of God. If you believe the Lord's promises and you get yourself in the habit of declaring those, then that's what you're going to believe. So it's what you're allowing yourself to believe. It's what you are declaring because what you declare, that's what you believe. It's like if somebody believes a lie and they start stating that lie time and time and time again, they're eventually going to believe that lie, even if it's not true. That's a big problem of what's got this nation into judgment. Because the enemy slithered in, put lies out, and a vast majority believed the lies of the enemy, overdoing what was biblically sound in the word of God. You know, as it applies biblically, when you complain, you're in contradiction to the word of God. And in that case, it's disbelief that even in a time of great trial or lack, that 
he will carry you through as his word promises, as truth to those who believe his word. So again, it's all about what you believe in your heart. And this is actually a very serious subject because it's going to matter going forward, especially where lack is concerned. You know, if you're looking around, I'm sure you're hearing about all the shortages and shutdowns and factory is going up in smoke and, you know, just you name it, it's going on. You know, you see it. So we know we're heading in that direction. And so this is why we need to be ready and knowing these things now. You know, if you start complaining about it, if you start fretting about it, and then it's manifesting in your words, what you're demonstrating is that you really don't believe the Lord will come through for you. Or you're believing that his word is the opposite, that he won't provide, and that's not true. His word says he will provide all you need from his glorious riches. You know, there are many going into the wilderness right now, or many who have already been there. So many of you know about this, but one of the things you learn in the wilderness is a strengthening of your faith in some area that needs work, that the Lord will provide in the most strenuous of situations. That's one of the things the Lord will certainly teach you. Now, I don't have to tell you that for the longest time, we've had it pretty good. I mean, we've had a life of abundance, especially here in the United States and other Western nations. You know, many of you have had that. But as you know, things are going the opposite way. And for those claiming happy days are here again, that's not going to help. So we need to accept that and get in the habit that when we see these things, we don't complain. And if we're complaining, we need to repent from the complaining. We need to learn how to put our faith into practice and quiet ourselves. In the future, we're going to need to rely on the Lord 100% for provision. So the better we put faith into practice, the better off we're going to be. And the alternative, if we don't, will be the complaining and misunderstandings. And you don't want that because then you're going to be in lack. You know, I'm sure that the Lord's going to be merciful for those who are straddlers coming in at the last minute, but for those of us who have been walking with him for a while, the Lord's going to expect better from us. You know, in the same way that he expects us to put our faith in the practice, he's going to show miracles to the unbelieving. That's one of the ways he's going to lead them into the kingdom. When you're in a situation where you're without, or when it seems that way, you don't want to be judging God like the Israelites did when Moses was leading them through the wilderness. The book of Exodus, chapters 14 through 17, laid this out as it happened. You know, God had Moses lead the Israelites out of Egypt, parted the Red Sea so they could escape, rained down bread and manna from heaven, and had Moses use a rod to strike a rock so that there was water to drink. And yet, despite all of these blessings, all of these miracles that they might believe and stop their fussing, they continued to complain. You know, they complained the entire time, even as the Lord was patient with them. And they didn't realize, too, that aside from the complaining, they were actually leading Moses into sin by angering and displeasing him. You know, eventually he had to go to the Lord and ask him to take some of the burden away because it was getting to be too much. Another fact, they were disobedient. They didn't keep the Sabbath holy. They were told to collect the quail. They were told to collect the bread and the manna and keep the Sabbath holy, but they didn't do it. And then when the food went rotten, what's the first thing they did? They didn't listen, and then they complained. You know, complaining is like telling God 
he doesn't know what's best and that he doesn't care. It's an affront to God. And if God gives us instructions ahead of time, just like he did the Israelites for the food, and if we're not obedient to him, well, then we're going to reap the consequences of that. And that's what we have to be aware of. You know, if the Lord sends out his prophets and watchmen, and they're warning you of a situation, and you don't do it, or you don't heed the warnings that you need to repent, that you need to draw near, that you need to put your faith in the practice, that you need to be in his word, you're playing with fire, you know, because these things are going to happen one way or the other. And, you know, that's why many times I've sat here and tried to t warn you about what's coming, like, hey, you know, to shine light on, like, you might want to consider what's coming down the pike and uh, get ready. Well, how do you get ready? Well, you got to get your spiritual armor on. And, you know, if you don't, just like in the same way, if the Israelites didn't follow directions, then they're going to be in hurt. And then you're going to run the risk of being without. And then what are you going to do? You're going to be tempted to complain. So, you know, it puts it into perspective here. You know, let's take a look at Numbers chapter 11, verses 1 through 15. Now, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Tabera, if I'm saying that right, Tabere or Tabera, because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. So even though, like I said, God blessed them with food, just not what they wanted, they had manna to eat, they still complained. But going on in verse 7, now the manna was like coriander seed, and its color like the color of bedlam. And uh, I looked that up, it's like a pale yellow. The people went about and gathered it, ground it on millstones, or beat it in the mortar, cooked it in pans, and made cakes of it. And its taste was like the taste of pastry prepared with oil. And when the dew fell on the camp in the night, the manna fell on it. Then Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, everyone at the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Moses also was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you afflicted your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid the burden of all your people on me? So there you see Moses was then starting to complain himself. Did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them? That you should say to me, carry them in your bosom? As a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give to all these people? For they weep all over me, saying, Give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to bear all these people alone, because the burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now, if I have found favor in your sight, and do not let me see my wretchedness. Then the Lord said to Moses, 
Gather before me 70 men who are recognized as elders and leaders of Israel. Bring them to the tabernacle to stand there with you. I will come down and talk to you there. I will take some of the spirit that is upon you, and I will put the spirit upon them also. They will bear the burden of the people along with you, so you will not have to carry it alone. And say to the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow you will have meat to eat. You were whining, and the Lord heard you when you cried. Oh, for some meat, we were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat, and you will have to eat it. And it won't be for just a day or two, or for five or ten or even twenty. You will eat it for a whole month until you gag and are sick of it. For you have rejected the Lord who is here among you, and you have whined to him, saying, Why did we ever leave Egypt? But Moses responded to the Lord, There are 600,000 foot soldiers here with me. And yet you say, I will give them meat for a whole month, even if we butchered all our flocks and herds. Would that satisfy them? Even if we caught all the fish in the sea, would that be enough? Then the Lord said to Moses, Has my arm lost its power? Now you will see whether or not my word comes true. And, you know, the Lord did exactly so. When we move on to verse 31, Now the Lord sent a wind that brought quail from the sea and let them fall around the camp. For miles in every direction, there were quail flying about three feet above the ground. So the people went out and caught quail all that day and throughout the night and all the next day too. No one gathered less than 50 bushels. They spread the quail all around the camp to dry. But while they were gorging themselves on the meat, while it was still in their mouths, the anger of the Lord blazed against the people, and he struck them with a severe plague. So that place was called Kibroth Hadava, which means graves of gluttony, because they buried the people who have craved meat from Egypt. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what happened through all the complaining? Well, what they were doing was testing God the entire time. He was patient with them up until that point, but they kept complaining. So eventually they aroused his fury and he rained down the quail, but they received a plague from it. You know, you don't want to test God. Hebrews 10.31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now, we can also look at another illustration of this in Psalm 78, verses 10 through 39. They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law. They were not obedient. Remember, they didn't keep the Sabbath holy. They didn't follow his instructions and forgot his works and his wonders that he had shown them. Marvelous things he did in the sight of their fathers, in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the water stand up like a heap. In the daytime, also, he led them with the cloud, and all the night with a light of fire. He split the rocks in the wilderness, and gave them drink in abundance like the depths. He also brought streams out of the rock, and caused waters to run like rivers. But they sinned even more against him by rebelling against the Most High in the wilderness. And they tested God in their heart, by asking for the food of their fancy. Yes, they spoke against God. They said, Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rock so that the waters gushed out, and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide meat for his people? Therefore the Lord heard this and was furious. So a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also came up against Israel. 
because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his salvation. Yet he commanded the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven. He rained down manna on them to eat and given them the bread of heaven. Men ate angels' food. He sent them food to the full. He caused an east wind to blow in the heavens, and by his power he brought in the south wind. He also rained meat on them like the dust, feathered fowl like the sand of the seas. And he let them fall in the midst of their camp all around their dwellings. So they ate and were well filled, for he gave them their own desire. They were not deprived of their craving, but while their food was still in their mouths, the wrath of God came against them and slew the stoutest of them and struck down the choice men of Israel. In spite of this, they still sinned and did not believe in his wondrous works. Therefore, their days he consumed in futility and their years in fear. When he slew them, then they sought him, and they returned and sought earnestly for God. Then they remembered that God was their rock, and the Most High God their Redeemer. Nevertheless, they flattered him with their mouth, and they lied to him with their tongue, for their heart was not steadfast with him, nor were they faithful in his covenant. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and did not destroy them. Yes, many a time he turned his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath, for he remembered that they were but flesh, a breath that passes away and does not come again. So, you know, again, God was very merciful. Just as he is now calling everyone to turn from their sin despite constant rebellion. You know, on a separate note, not only is it displeasing to the Lord when we complain, it's displeasing to people. You know, you heard about how Moses was displeased and then he went to the Lord and began to complain about it. There are a lot of patient people out there who can contend with it for so long, but you reach the point where you do get tired of hearing it. I mean, just imagine being around someone who does nothing but complain and is never pleased with anything. And I mean, I'm talking constant, like, you know, nothing's good enough. I recall back years ago, and, you know, I can't remember when it was. It was like, I think it was like over 10 years ago now, but I was at a Christmas party and I overheard someone saying they really didn't want another person to come because that person who was attending complained all the time. And they were viewed as just unpleasant to be around. So, I mean, it can and it does get annoying. You know, like Moses, it becomes a burden if it's most of the time. And, you know, secondly, guys, it's without manners. You know, everybody has burdens. And Galatians 6 verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens and thus you will fulfill the law of Christ. And, you know, we talk to family or friends when we have issues that arise in life. That's normal. But when it comes to constant complaining or nothing's good enough, just know that it's not exactly pleasing to the ears when it's excessive. So, you know, though we're told to be patient with difficult people, those who complain, they need to understand it's simply not pleasing to be around when it's in constant excess. And again, they need to primarily understand it's displeasing to the Lord first and foremost, even before, you know, followers of the Lord. Most people just humble themselves and don't say anything. You know, they're, you know, we're told to keep the peace, so that's what we do. But 
a person who complains needs to know that. We need to recognize when we're doing it, confess and repent, and make an effort to do better. Complaining can originate from several different emotions. Many worry about what to eat, finances, and so on and so forth. And you have to remember that Jesus said, quoting Matthew 6, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So to put it simply, do we have hearts concerned overly for things that will be tossed into the fire tomorrow, or is our heart with God? You know, we're directed not to worry. Not just about provision, but not to worry about for tomorrow. You only need to have enough faith for the day. And if you can get that down, then you won't be tempted to complain once you realize you have enough for that day. Quoting Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet, I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, then we need to look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let's go over that for a moment. Specifically where Hebrews 13, 5 says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Note the word conduct. That's your behavior. Then there's the word covetousness. Thou shalt not covet. Do not let your behavior be of coveting. You know, don't be greedy. Because another word for covetousness is greed. It's like you have plenty, but you're unsatisfied, so you want more and more and more. And so you start to complain rather than take it to prayer and ask. You know, that's being found wanting. What you want. If that's becoming your focus, it's an idol. That's exactly what the Israelites did when Moses led them through the wilderness. God provided plenty to eat, but they complained that wasn't good enough. You know, they were coveting the food they used to be able to eat and what they did not have. They were prideful like, oh, I'm too good to eat the manna. You know, let me just say, there's going to be many finding themselves in the same boat when the supermarkets are no longer getting food in. If you're a picky eater you might want to start getting used to the fact that what you have now will not always be available. And you should be grateful for what you will have to eat during that time. Just saying. But whatever you do, don't complain. 
You know, don't be like the Israelites whining about what you don't have that you once did. You know, that's going to be a tough one for all of us. But we can't change Bible prophecy. That's why we need to put repentance into practice now if we find ourselves already complaining at times. Because it's only going to get worse. You know, Jesus said, and this is quoting the book of Mark, chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. For from within of the heart of men proceed evil. Thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, note the word covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, pride was also what the Israelites were doing, foolishness, they were foolish with their words, all these evil things come from within and defile a man. Then we look further at the book of James, chapter 4, verses 2 through 3, and I'm going to read from the Amplified here. You are jealous and covet what others have, and your lust goes unfulfilled. So you murder, you know, murdering to get what you want. You are envious, that is jealous, which is a product of pride, and cannot obtain the object of your envy. So you fight and battle. You do not have because you do not ask it of God. You ask God for something and do not receive it because you ask with wrong motives out of selfishness or with an unrighteous agenda. So that when you get what you want, you may spend it on your hedonistic desires. And when it says hedonistic in the Amplified Bible, that means sinful or corrupt. And perhaps even for the sake of boasting, of which all boasting is evil. And that's according to James 4.16. All of these indicate what's in a person's heart. So that's what the word means when it says you don't receive it due to wrong intentions or motives. So now you understand to be content with what the Lord provides, whether a lot or a little, and learn how to be thankful instead of rebellious like the Israelites when they tested God with their constant complaining, even as the Lord was continuously blessing them. You know, they were coveting. They wanted more and more and more, even though he was providing enough. So in reality, they were also making that food their idol. You know, Paul references this in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be named among you as is fitting for saints. And what that means is those of you who belong to the Lord are considered the saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, and jesting is joking, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. And like I said, being thankful for what you already have. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Remember what Jesus said, same thing in Matthew 6.33, which I quoted just a moment ago, put first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and these things shall be added to you. You know, it's, again, all about where your heart is, as I read earlier from Matthew 6.21. So these are all important verses that we need to keep on our hearts in the back of our heads. Now that said, let's touch on something else when it comes to complaining. and. That is each other. 2 Timothy 2, verse 23, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. 
James chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. That's what I've been saying about humble thyself. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? James chapter 5, verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. You know, I want to clarify something here. We are allowed to recognize someone by their fruits. I've taught on this before. We're allowed to patiently correct and rebuke. And we're allowed to teach with conviction. We are not permitted to condemn, judge, or slander and throw others under the bus. You know, to do that, that's attempting to play God. God decides who does right and who does wrong. It's not up to us to do that for him. And that includes complaining about others. You know, if you have a concern about someone or if you feel they've wronged you in some way, pray about it. Don't become bitter and judge and then be in unforgiveness. The proper way is to be praying that the person in question learns from their error and is given mercy and repentance. That is the grace of God, and he is patient in that way. You know, Exodus 23, 7 says, Keep yourself far from a false matter. Do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I will not justify the wicked. And you know, if you stop and think about it, you can kill the spirit of someone over a false matter just by using your words. Matthew 7, verses 1 through 3, Jesus said, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Got to be really careful about judging and complaining, because complaining can come out of judgment. And both do belong to the spirit of pride. You know, there's a way to bring grievances to the Lord properly. Psalm 142 verse 2 says, I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. You know, that is a prayer offered in earnest. And to pray in earnest means with serious intent. You're not whining. You're literally taking it to him before the throne and saying, Lord, I need your help because I'm concerned about so on and so forth. You know, you're not just walking around going, eh, I don't want to. You know, there's a difference. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7 say, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. You know, give thanks. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. James chapter 3, verses 10 through 12 say, Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. You know, you can't say that you have faith, and then you're walking around complaining or grumbling the opposite of what you believe. It's practice for all of us. You know, like James 3.10 indicates... We can do one of two things. Number one, 
We can walk around complaining about people or situations or lack, and we remain in sin just like the Israelites did, and then we face judgment. Or we can learn to turn our complaints to praise and thanks and glorify the Lord in trust, no matter what the situation may entail. You know, learning to praise through the storm is going to be one of the hardest challenges for many. But remember, the Lord is faithful. It's in his word, and more than likely, you've been shown this in many ways. So if you've seen him move before on a situation in your life when you pray, keep praying and praising. Don't be quick to fly off the handle the moment you see the trouble on the horizon or that it comes. Because, you know, we go through pits and valleys. We go through testing and trials. You know, we have to remain faithful to Jesus. That is the key of this message today. Not to complain, but praise. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, that's all I have for you this week. I hope this podcast has been a blessing to you in reeling in the complaining if you haven't already been learning to do so. It may seem difficult at first depending on your circumstances. You know, everyone's are different, but stay prayed up and ask the Lord to help you catch yourself doing it so you can get in the better habit of not doing it. Remember, you can be bitter or better. You can complain or give thanks. It's your choice. Brothers and sisters, may our Lord Jesus bless you. Thank you for listening, and until next time, be safe out there, everyone.